0: Good morning, folks. Today is Friday, whoop, whoop. Friday, August 19th. This is episode 179. Get some of that of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Osier, And over the next 30 minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day. And most importantly, providing expert analysis on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner. So how can you operationalize this uh, at work today or even next week? and. If you're looking to break into the industry, not only are you going to be asked, How do you stay current in the industry? Because that's a guaranteed question, you'll have a sick answer, which is this one. I watch or attend or listen or am part of the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. What is that you ask interviewer? Allow me to enlighten you. And then you just like open up the Ark of the Covenant and full send the the blast of what is the knowledge that we're about to to discuss today or every day on this channel i'm feeling spicy shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor barricade cyber solutions this guy right here not not me that's a picture of me barricade cyber solutions that's eric taylor his whole gang over there listen cyber criminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations barricade cyber solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and help you get your business back on track like i said it's basically Digital Forensics Fire Department, you, you you, you definitely want to get it lined up, but you can go to barricadecyber.com. Eric's calendar is right there on the homepage. You set up a, a no obligation, no hassle, no shenanigans meeting and just kind of talk through what your situation is. He'll either tell you if he can help you or not, or he'll help you find someone that can help you, okay? He's a good guy. I want to remind you, if you hold professional certifications that require CPEs, each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth one half of a CPE. It's basically one CPE per per hour of knowledge. And, you know, the show is supposed to run half an hour, although we go an hour almost every single day now. But just for the sake of argument, we'll say half an hour. Most programs aren't going to require you to take more than minimum 20 a year, on average 40 a year. We are going to blow it out the water. Uh, even at half CPE a day. So stack them up two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to document literally the easiest and I would argue the most enjoyable way to earn CPs. How do you document it? Simple. Say what's up in chat. Say, hey, it's Jerry coming in from South Carolina, low country living. Hey, it's Bset coming in from the Lone Star State, right? Wherever you are, hashtag team live if you want to keep it simple, right? Just some way that you are burned into the screen here, That way, if an auditor for the certification body questions you, you can just say, go check out the streams. I'm right there. I said, what's up? No big deal. If you are live with us, love it. I see 78 of us just on the Simply Cyber channels. We are pushing out to four different locations. LinkedIn people up in here. Eric Jordan knows what I'm talking about on LinkedIn. So we've got a good crowd coming in here. More people will file in as we get started. If you are watching on replay, go ahead and drop a hashtag team replay in the chat it will also work for that kind of auditable evidence of the certification body plus the the hashtag team replay you guys are a force all of your own um, definitely bring in the heat I, I see you guys all in the comments uh, definitely a great contingent of individuals who are catching the the stream at a time that is most convenient for them I do want to remind everybody I was gonna plug this at the at the halfway break but just remember guys, you can get Simply Cyber in your audio podcast app of choice too. After the stream every single day, we post the the, the audio of this broadcast. Like what I'm saying right now will be in audio format in about an hour. And you can consume it that way. It's a little bit more you know, difficult to make the argument to an auditor that you did consume it. I mean, you could show them. I've been certified since 2009 in, in security certifications. I've never had an auditor push back on me. Just saying... Uh, so there is that, but if you guys like that, you can check that out as well. Now, where am I in my little spiel here? All right. Now, if you, okay. So obviously if you're watching on team replay, you're in the future way to go. Like how I hope it's beautiful in the future, but you guys have the power to skip ahead. If you're listening on the podcast app, 30 second, 30 second, 30 second, 30 second, get right to the news. If you're watching on YouTube, grab the slider, slide it to the right. No big deal. I don't think LinkedIn has the ability to adjust it, which is kind of annoying. Long story short, for the next two minutes, I'm going to be sipping this cup of French roast coffee because it's wicked good and I need it and saying good morning to all of these awesome people who are hashtag team live. So if you want to hang out with the pleasantries, be my guest. You're more than welcome. But if you want to get right to the news, bump ahead um, about two minutes. Having said all that, good morning, Steve Lapp and Jason Parker, Gale Salons. Hello, Ms. Foxy from NYC. The uh, Alphabet City, I love it. John Cole on LinkedIn coming in strong. Parker Garside, Happy Friday is correct. BSEC man, auditors are like, whoa, Jerry freaking Osher. (laughs) Yeah, the auditors might be in here with us, y'all. Joel Belton's in the house, a regular on the stream. Angel Perez, hello. Amadou Ba, good to see you. TGIF is so understated. You're right, Eric Jordan, my man. Will Reed's here. Will Reed, everybody, let's do it. Oh, Shane Prevost, 17 days. Summer break seemed to have gone quick. My kids are already back in school. Uh, Gregory, Gregor Lietek, good morning, Gregor. Good to see you. Oh my God, the coffee, guys, the coffee—it's a real thing. Sipping out of this Simply Cyber mug. Oh yeah. My only gripe about the Simply Cyber mug is it's not big enough. I need like one of those, you know, oversized American coffee cups uh reach out from kuwait coming in alicia jerry great to see you on the stream last night alicia was one of the attendees of the 70 plus people who joined us last night as virginia case from stratic marketing was my guest we talked about how to brand yourself personally uh and as a cyber professional and how to get a side hustle by the way hey lupe peterman whoa blast from the past lupe good to see you it's been a minute Justin Loken. Hey guys, after the stream last night, I talked to Virginia about coming on. We are going to do, get a load of this. uh, uh, Tentatively October 15th, we are going to do Virginia's office hours. And we are going to go, it's just going to be, hey, it's Virginia again. You guys remember, let's get into it. We're going to go through two LinkedIn profiles and fully evaluate them. And then actually hands on Canva, you know, repair them. And, one side hustle website. Um, Virginia is going to go through it and give her analytic, analytical take on UX design and marketing of that side hustle site. I have not selected the two LinkedIn accounts nor the side hustle website. Just know we're going to have a working session on October 15th. It's going to be sick. What's up, Kimberly? Good to see you. Oh, good. I'm happy to hear you're doing great. Uh, Chris Weaver. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I thought Virginia was fantastic too. Oh yeah, Seth's in the house. Bring it in from Seattle. Hey, Seth, I appreciate you getting up at five a.m., my man. I know, I know it. I know it. Love it. I heartness too. Jim Wales, Secmeister, Sekmeister, good running, man. Oh, I don't. Yeah, here we go. All right, let me get some some of this coffee, and then we are gonna dig into the stories. You guys, happy Friday. Really made my morning here. Hmm. All right, let's get into it. Maybe I'll do a raffle for whose LinkedIn accounts get picked. You no, know, just to be fair, if, and only only enter if you want to be, you know, like you're, you will be brought on stage. Your LinkedIn profile will be, for lack of a better term, roasted, but then fixed, right? So, woo, 5.45 sprint today. Oh, look at this guy pushing it. All right, I gotta, I gotta hit the run too today. All right, guys, let's get into the news and see what we got. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines.
1: It's Friday, August 19, 2022. Google Block's largest HTTPS DDoS attack reported to date. A Google Cloud Armor customer was hit with a 69-minute-long distributed denial-of-service attack over the HTTPS protocol that reached 46 million requests per second, making it the largest ever record of its kind. Google says that it was the equivalent of getting all the daily requests to Wikipedia in just 10 seconds. The malware behind the attack is suspected to be part of the Meris botnet. Google researchers say that the attack traffic came from just over 5,200 IP addresses in 132 countries and used encrypted HTTPS requests, indicating that the devices sending the requests had strong computing resources.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um... I'm just looking here really quickly at something. 5,000 IP addresses involved. Um. Mm, I'm sorry. I, give me one minute. This one is kind of interesting. I wanted to understand something. Okay. Hey, BSEC, how's this for how's this for a network flow diagram when talking about some, some, uh, there's some issues with the network. Jesus, look at this thing. Okay. So guys, um, a Google, armor customer did not realize that google had a dns uh uh, excuse me a denial of service attack service uh called armor but i guess they do a google client who obviously had some forward-facing uh web app maybe a SaaS application right you can imagine uh if your entire business is like netflix where you know if people can't get to you online you basically don't have a product uh, some uh, client got attacked. They did not say who the client was. I have to assume it was a SaaS product uh, provider because if someone hits your like VPN concentrator, who cares, right? Like, Yeah, it sucks if you work from home or work remote, but like people can deal for 69 minutes of downtime, right? But if you're a cloud service provider, if you're Amazon, which this isn't Amazon, but if you're Amazon, just to make a, a, a hyperbolic point, you're losing lots of money per minute, okay? Um, here's the deal. It's a Maris botnet. So it came from 5,000 different IP addresses across the world. These are infected machines. So this could be like your aunt Kathy's computer. This could be my workstation computer. It better not be because this thing's new, but it could be anything. It could be a Nest thermostat, right? I don't know enough about the Maris bot malware to know if it's like, only windows machines or whatever. But the point is bots can be infected anywhere and you could be operating on the machines and not know it because it's not like it's actively like a gremlin eating your screen or something stupid. It's just laying dormant, waiting for a command. Once it gets the command, boom, it starts blasting data at an IP address, at a target, right? At an, at an objective. And that's essentially what happened here. Now, what's interesting is it was HTTPS. So you can't really, I mean, you could decrypt it to see like what information it is. Um, Typically, you don't see, at least in my experience, you don't see HTTPS type attacks uh, simply because um, there's extra handshakes, right? So you've got the TCP three-way handshake, and then there's like a four-way, I don't even, this is probably not the right way to say it, but like a a four-way TLS handshake. Um, So there's extra of like... protocol maintenance going on which i guess does take time so if you think about it um excuse me time and resources uh to to do that handshake but it takes time and resources on the client side too but it is a compromise bot guys i'm just kind of working this out in my head right now so maybe it's not a big deal if it was https or it was not https or it was udp versus tcp anyways long story short they pushed a lot of data they held it up for 69 minutes they stopped doing it um obviously because it was either ineffective or um they they wanted to protect their net their botnet it did say in the story that it was too it was cost it was like they had to bring it down because it was expensive from the attacker's perspective right here um presumably not having the desired impact while incurring significant expenses to execute attack i'm actually kind of curious about that like you know, guys, I'll be the first to admit that I definitely don't know everything. Um, I, in fact, I I know a fraction of of something. <laughs> but what is the cost? Like, what is the expense? I'd be curious, guys in chat, if you want, uh, drop it. I go back and look afterwards. What is the expense that the attacker is incurring? Right? You own a botnet, so all of the work is already done. You've already invested into the botnet, so you, there's no additional expense there. You've got it. You weaponize it and send it to a uh, attack uh, to a target right all the load is on the botnet on on the individual nodes and if i uh, reboot my computer because my network at my house is is running slow one bot falls out of the botnet it's like it's like a legion and you're just spraying a couple and they go down but the horde the zombie horde continues to move forward right so i don't see what expense there is um anyways a- unless it's the cost of the botnet right like as bots are identified they get cleaned and removed. And now the value of your botnet goes down, I guess. But anyways, distributed denial of service attack, they all look the same. They have different protocols that they use for the attack, but they all look the same. It's a it's a host of, in fact, this is the answer to the interview question. Distributed denial of service, it's a host of compromised machines called bots that all push data at a target for a specific amount of time. Think of it as a fire hydrant and the botnet Um, In order to execute the distributed denial of service you open up the fire hydrant but you have to hold the tension on the wrench the second you let go of the tension the fire hydrant closes the water stops and the denial of service attack ends it's not something you set and forget it's it has to be maintained okay and this has been (laughs) the more you know
1: commands rotation problem exacerbates talent shortage amid growing digital threats. Lieutenant General Charles Tuna Moore, second in command behind General Paul Nakasoni, has retired after serving roughly 5 years at Cyber Command. He had completed the Harvard Kennedy School Cybersecurity Program in 2019 and helped oversee the military's primary digital warfare unit. According to White House officials, Pentagon leaders and lawmakers, Cyber Command remains understaffed with long-standing policies and a military staffing system that makes it difficult for seasoned military leaders to remain. Mm. A new version of black. Okay,
0: so here's the thing. This guy was forced into retirement and I get it, and I get it, but dude, come on, like, it's not like, okay, so from what I know, and I know there's there's a ton of veterans in active duty in chat right now, so obviously fact check me. I did not serve. Um, most like positions are like three years and then you rotate, you move like your family and everything like that, unless it's like your final stop. And then maybe you double shift and then you do six years there and then you retire or whatever. Maybe you land in Hawaii, but this dude, this dude right here, he did five years as second in command at cyber command five years. Like what, what did you want this guy to do? Like a second career in cyber command? Like I get I get that there is a loss of institutional knowledge and tribal knowledge that happens when you have someone in a senior position that was really effective, not just a figurehead, leaving the firm, leaving the company, leaving the government, whatever. It it sucks. But what did you expect this guy to do? Like, I give him credit for staying a couple extra years longer uh, instead of going private sector, guys. I mean, with this guy's creds, he... (laughs) He could, he'll like quintuple his salary in a hot minute going to like McKinsey where they can just wheel him out and be like, we've got four-star general of cyber command. Who's going to like, look at your, like lead your cyber strategy, $10 million. Okay. Done. Like, where do we sign up? So this guy's going to get paid. I appreciate his service wanting to do that, but come on, let's talk about like rotation problem, exasperating talent shortage. How about we fix the, like, this is so like, uh, it just annoys me okay there's a bigger systemic root cause issue going on here and like the rotation problem exasperating it like you should have processes in place for like uh, like knowledge life cycle documentation I, ooh documentation what a terrible word listen like if you document sops if you have people being brought up right instead of instead of like putting your hand on someone's head and mushing them down? How about you put your hand down and open and pull them up? There's an idea. Here's a novel technique, right? And that way, when you pull people up, they are ready to step into your role or step into a role that can support your uh, function at an organization in, a, in an effective, meaningful way. So anyways, long story short, to me, this sucks, obviously, for United States national security at the cyber you know, battle space. But to me, it's a bigger it's a bigger, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking at? There's definitely a, a nerdy, you know, college word I'm looking for here. It's, it's, it's more of a, um, whatever. It's a problem highlighting the fact that there is a talent. There's, it's not just a talent issue, right? Like individuals can get talent, right? There's a more of an issue. Like what we're doing in simply cyber is not the norm. People aren't normally helping and in, in, in going, like out of their way to do stuff like this. Like it, it, ugh. whatever. I'm like, okay. Obviously the coffee's working. This, this, this is like a bigger workplace shortage, talent shortage, quote unquote shortage. HR's broken. The way people put open calls, the way that we don't do apprenticeships, although we're starting to do it, all of that. Okay. In the, in the U S military, come on guys. Like, I feel like this story is kind of busted, too. Like, I I bet you whoever's replacing him is probably wicked qualified, okay? Wicked qualified. They're not going to put someone second command of Cyber Command who's got, like, just, like, got out of boot camp or something like that, obviously, right? They're going to put some gray-haired three-star who worked in the Cyber Theater, which probably there's a lot of them now. So, whatever. I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it today, you guys. Hopefully, you're with me.
1: BlackBite Ransomware uses LockBit-inspired extortion techniques. Along with the release of version 2.0, the BlackBite Ransomware gang is offering some novelties to its extortion service. These include allowing victims to pay $5,000 to postpone the leaking of their data by 24 hours, download the data for $200,000 or destroy all the data by paying a $300,000 ransom. These prices are not fixed, of course, and could vary depending on the importance of the victim. BlackBite is an organization that has had prior success in the U.S., having breached at least three organizations from U.S. critical infrastructure sectors. Winty hackers split Cobalt's. St- hey, hold on one second.
0: Okay, so here's here's the TLDR. There's a ransomware threat group that basically... Has come up with some creative ways in order to squeeze more money out of their victims. All right. You know, BlackBite ransomware versus Lockbit versus Hive, whatever. It's just ransomware, right? Like the details, if you get attacked by them or you're trying to make sure that your protections are in place to prevent the attack, yeah, you could dig in a little bit, but each one is a little different than the way that they move. Uh, the story here is about their extortion strategy. Um, normally, you know, Conti, Wizard Spider, Uh, which is the same gang right wizard spider was the gang conti was the malware that they ran for ransomware they kind of pioneered or made popular the double extortion technique so guys up until like 2020 or 2021 it used to be like you get hit with ransomware, like WannaCry famously, and then there's a ticker, right? You got 24 hours, 48 hours. You're putting that urgency in place to to get your data. And if you didn't pay in the window of time, the data, what you you would lose your access to be able to buy the key. Your data just stays encrypted. Then in 21, they started exfilling the data because they realized that people were getting better at backups faster security vendors were coming out with solutions in order to make ransomware impact lower. So you just restore, um, you know, maybe if you have to restore from bare metal, it sucks and takes a little longer, but still you just restore no big deal. So they started pulling off data and they say, Hey, listen, we got your data too now, bro. So go ahead and restore. We don't care but we're going to sell your data. We are going to get paid, which by the way, hat tip to the threat actors. I do do this on the show regularly. I don't endorse them or support them. I'm not a threat actor, but I do love their business acumen. They are savvy on wanting to get money. You talk about a side hustle and really pushing it. These guys are brilliant. So they said we're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. Hold on. Um I'm assuming that's not for me, Eric. <coughs> so they're going to get paid, right? Hold on. Alright, I, I don't know what this is. Um, so now these guys come up with a third thing. So they're either going to like <laughs> I'm sorry, I got distracted by mod chat, okay? So here's the deal. Now you can pay to have have your data not published on the dark web. So you're paying to either restore your data from backups. Uh my God, I'm getting I'm gonna just close mod chat, guys. Okay. So listen, you can either pay to get your data back, right? Or you can restore because you have backups. Either way, you're gonna cost money. Then you can pay to have your data not leaked to the public, or you can pay now to have your data deleted permanently. Which by the way, what kind of level of assurance do you get when you're dealing with criminals, right? We promise, we promise we'll delete it. Um so whatever. Here's my thing. I really wonder like I wonder if like these guys sit around like on a, like a Thursday meeting and they're like, Oh God, like what do we got to do? Like, let's, um, let's, Hey, let's brainstorm guys. Let's brainstorm guys. Come on. Like they get like a hype PM come in. They're like, all right guys, let's brainstorm. How can we squeeze more money out of our victims? How can we squeeze more money out of our victims? And they're like, well, what if we, what if we, uh, tell them that will publicly embarrass them? No, no, we tried that. That didn't work. Okay. 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 What if, what if we allow them to buy more time before the data gets deleted? Huh? Huh? Say five thousand dollars. Ooh, that's a brilliant idea, Chuck. Like, let's go with that one. And now that's a, that's what they're offering. There's never before been an opportunity to extend the timer. I think as part of ransomware negotiations, you could ask for more time. I mean, at the end of the day, the criminals want money, but they're offering you the ability to buy time for five grand, which I guess must be working if they're offering it, but it is kind of funny when you're put in a position of pressure um, and time is of the essence. being able to buy more time um, is really interesting. Okay, now hold on, this does look like it's related to the show because Eric's saying it's for me. Um, I can't zoom in on that here. let me let me see real quickly. this is this is coming in hot right now. Uh, is there a screen? I don't know where the screenshot is. Uh, is this the extent Oh yeah. I mean, I guess this is it right here. Yeah, you can. So this, these are your options. Like, please choose. It's like a button. <laughs> At least they do make it really simple for for end users to to um to understand. Um. Okay. Yeah. Five thousand dollars. Three hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Destroy all information. Which, by the way, can you imagine being a business and paying? 300 grand to wipe out all of your data that kind of kind of sucks open to the public not the victim okay all right i'm a little confused uh on this story i'm going to keep rolling uh we could talk afterwards eric i'm not really sure what you're what you're saying here but it definitely something to do with tor and um And open to the public. Alright, anyways, let's keep going because I'm getting getting distracted and confused. into
1: 154 pieces to evade detection. The Chinese Winti Hacking Group, also known as APT41 or Wicked Spider, targeted at least 80 organizations last year and successfully breached the networks of at least 13. As part of these campaigns, Winti used various methods in their malicious operations including phishing, watering holes, supply chain attacks, and numerous SQL injections one of Winty's unique deployment methods for the cobalt strike beacons involved obfuscating the payload on the host to evade detection by software. According to a Group IB report, the hackers encode the payload in Base64 and break it into a large number of smaller pieces consisting of 775 characters, which are then echoed to a text file named dns.txt. Hmm. Okay, so this is not uncommon
0: this is not uncommon. Okay. So, all right guys. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, if you signed up for, like, this is just a perfect uh, segue right now. uh, It's been, it's been all the buzz all week, but right now for $1, you can get the GRC analyst masterclass from me for $1. You can get practical malware analysis and triage from TCM and Linux 101 and practical ethical hacking. So for 4 bucks you get all four. But I want to focus on the practical malware analysis and triage because that class right there is directly related to this right here. So Cobalt Strike Cobalt Strike is a post-exploitation framework that is supposed to be designed for like legitimate red teamer and penetration testers in order to set up an infrastructure um to 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 kind of manage an engagement so i like here's the thing i knock out joel belton's computer on joel belton's ice cream shop network right one of the first things i'm going to do is install cobalt strike because now cobalt's going to beacon back to my c2 server where i can control it and see what's going on plus as i start moving laterally through joel belton's ice cream shops network which by the way joel belton's ice cream is the fake company that i like to use from time to time it like cobalt strike starts beaconing and, and installing itself on other machines and i slowly start getting a picture it is a very rich and very um function it's function rich um post exploitation framework okay so cobalt strike's wicked popular they're not supposed to sell it to criminals criminals get cracked versions all the time wizard spider actually had a licensed version of it that they bought through a shell company anyways we see cobalt strike all the time but at the same time defensive security measures know what cobalt strike is defensive security measures love looking for cobalt strike because threat actors use it all the time why wouldn't we look for it so how do you hide how do you as you can see in the title evade detection well one of the ways you can do it is through obfuscation obfuscation is a common technique used by malware authors in order to make it more difficult a to analyze by a human right so you look at the code and it's not written well um that just means it's my code but if you look at the code and like everything is all mushed together there's no line breaks like uh variables have stupid names and like it's just a hot mess on fire that's obfuscated code right it makes it wicked hard to analyze it's very time consuming well you can use base64 which is basically just kind of a um I guess it's it's not really a hashing algorithm because you can reverse it, but it's basically an encoding. It's an encoding technique, um, and you can encode and you can decode base sixty four. And as you can see here, they took the Cobalt Strike payload, which is basically going to install Cobalt Strike on a victim, and they broke it up into several parts. Just guys, remember a file, an executable, a text file, a binary. A jar file it doesn't matter it's just it's just like glyphs and code right you can break it up into smaller pieces and then reassemble it there's no reason obviously you can't execute 1 18th of a cobalt strike payload and get 1 18th of the of the functionality it needs to be reconstituted into the into the original executable but you can do that you could see here these dudes broke it up into small enough pieces and then encoded it with Base64. That's what this is. And then wrote it to a DNS.txt file. And you could see the little carrot at the bottom, like in purple. I don't know if you can see that, but right here, well, this is a a picture, so I can't highlight it. But this thing right here, that means append. So you're not overwriting the DNS text file, you're adding to it. And basically, if you were to watch this DNS text file, uh, using like a tail command or something, you would start seeing it build itself. So all they're doing here, all they're doing here, is building the cobalt strike payload on the victim machine, okay? By the way, when they assemble it and run it, if there's defensive measures on the endpoint, it's going to detect it. But they're evading essentially network detection uh, and in any type of like appliance that uh, does um, um, like looking at files that are being sent across uh, a network connection and stuff like that. So that's what this is. Long story short, this isn't easy. This is a lot of work and this is where we get into level of effort for threat actors, right? As you raise the level of effort, it's more time consuming, uh but you know, this looks like it was uh China kind of APT type uh, operator. I've never heard of Winti, but oh, Okay, APT41, that's China's big boy, okay? APT41 is China's like A team right They're their, their varsity squad. But guys, I lost my mind earlier this week and I'll lose my mind every single time. Can we please get a naming convention that's standardized? I've never heard of Win T Hacking Group. You know what I have heard of a lot? APT41. I'll even give them Wicked Spider. Okay, whatever. APT41, that is, everybody knows that one. Win T Hacking Group. Like who named this? Like why? Why? Why do you have to rename it? Like marketing, the marketing people, so annoying, dude. So, anyways, APT41 going to extreme lengths to hide a payload.
1: All right, now let's do the read. This week's sponsor, Six Clicks. With Six Clicks, organizations can manage enterprise risk easier than ever before. Six Clicks helps you identify your risks, group them into risk registers, and run risk assessments. It highlights causes and potential impacts, outlines risk treatment plans, and helps you manage the full treatment lifecycle. For more information, visit sixclicks.com slash CISO series. That's the number six, C-L-I-C-K-S dot slash CISO series.
0: All right. All right, here we go. So I do want to thank everyone uh, for being here. I said this in the inset, but if you got here a little late, wanted to remind you, guys. I love having you here in person, especially I. I love my LinkedIn people, so this is no knock on them. But the YouTube people, you get you get the richer emotes, you get you can do the polls and stuff like that. LinkedIn, YouTube, the live stream, team replay, all of you. I absolutely love having you guys as part of this. But I'm real, and I'm not. I'm not. Um, uh, exclusive. Okay. So I want this knowledge to get to you in the way that works best for you. That's why I I literally, after each show, go and take the audio, rip it out of restream the platform I'm using, and then go to another website and install, I- install it. I upload it to a, a podcast app aggregator thing that I pay 20 bucks a month for. And I push it so you can get it on to your podcast app a choice so you can listen to it in the car at the gym in the shower mowing the lawn You can load them all up and listen to multiple ones. Okay, I do it because I want you to get the knowledge So if you don't know That now, you know you can get this on this now, obviously this is uh, Full send one direction. We can't engage back and forth a because it's team replay and B because um It's audio so you won't see um you won't see you know these hand gestures and all that stuff, but um, I just want to make everybody aware we are averaging over a hundred downloads a day, which is pretty cool. And uh, you know, I appreciate it. If you do do the audio podcast of choice, if you are listening to this right now on the audio app, because that's the way you consume it, uh, and you have any constructive feedback, don't tell me that I suck. Like that's fine, but that doesn't do anything for me. Um, but if you have some feedback on how to make the audio podcast better, uh shoot me a DM or something and let me know um if I'm going to do this. If i'm going to put the effort in to do this i'd like it to be useful to all of you okay also a quick reminder guys starting this monday like before you get up before i go live uh you're going to receive an email and it's going to have three stories from this week one that's targeting end users one for peers one for executives and i'm going to give you a very quick synopsis on what the story is and then in bold font i'm going to tell you exactly what the action is on what i would expect myself or someone reporting to me could use it for to be actionable okay so i forget i had one yesterday um oh the usb drive that you know threat actors are sending out right that's a perfect one for end users you can totally operationalize that for end user awareness and i tell you exactly how to do it and how to like not bend it but like basically you should focus on family, friends, and loved ones for those end users to share that knowledge too, to protect those people that they care about personally, not the business, the people they care about. Okay. Anyways, it's short, succinct. It's very scannable. I'm trying to make this cool. Um, So if you're interested, you go to uh, pages.simplycyber.io slash news. I'll put it in the chat. If you want to get this again, this is like a brand new thing. So any constructive feedback is greatly appreciated. There's a link in chat. Uh, I think it's going to be cool guys. I think it's going to be cool and I'm looking forward to it. Let's get back into the news.
1: Google patches Chrome's fifth zero day of the year. Google has patched the fifth actively exploited zero day vulnerability discovered in Chrome this year as one in a series of fixes included in a stable channel update released on Wednesday. The bug, tracked as CVE-2022-2856 and rated as high on the CVSS score, is associated with insufficient validation of untrusted input in intents, according to the advisory posted by Google. Google credits Ashley Shen and Christian Rizel of its Google Threat Analysis Group for reporting the zero-day bug, which could allow for arbitrary code execution, on July 19th. The advisory also unveiled 10 other patches for various other Chrome issues. All right, so this
0: is, what was the score on this one? Did they say what the score was? Uh, this is the advisory that they released. Um, you can see here's all the 10 CVEs. Real quick shout out. What's up, uh, Brent Garee and Emerson watching on their Friday morning. It's good to see you guys. It's been a minute. Uh, you guys can't really see this this advisory blog post. Um, does this apply? It says Mac and Windows, so this applies to everybody. Uh, okay, eleven security. All right, so here's the TLDR. If here's the TLDR, you should definitely advise if you're a smaller business, right? Like you don't have uh, managed endpoints where you can push uh, patches and stuff. And I don't even know if um you can use AD to to update Chrome. Um, since Chrome's like an app there, maybe you can not AD, but you know what I mean? Like, um, like pushing through some kind of managed interface like Avanti or something like that. So either way, you should definitely Chrome is one of the more popular web browsers. This is a zero day. I don't know if it's actively being exploited. They didn't say it in the story. So I have to assume it's not being actively exploited, active exploitation, raising the level of, of urgency on how quickly you need to patch it just take an opportunity remind you can use this picture of the Chrome and the Band-Aids in a, a quick little email send it out to your user community and say hey listen just a quick reminder uh, Google Chrome has a um, I wouldn't even say zero day because that that's gonna kind of fall flat on um, end users but you could say hey Google Chrome has a major uh, weakness that's recently been fixed be sure to update your your Google Chrome unless you want to be, absolutely pantsed and red-bottomed. Maybe you don't throw that last part in there, but basically take an opportunity to just tell them, maybe show them a screenshot of clicking on the update and how to update it. Um, you know, basic guys, <laughs> basic hygiene, cyber hygiene, keep your apps updated, right? It's easy to keep your operating system updated. It's a pain. Um, yeah. Ron Clark says you can do it with Avanti. So, but not all businesses, right? Smaller businesses, businesses without a centralized IT infrastructure. Um, you know, probably the Chrome app on mobile devices might be in scope of this too. Tell your friends, tell your family. <laughs> hide your kids, hide your wife. So anyways, patch your stuff. And by the way, uh, I say this every time it comes up, which isn't all the time, but Google Tag, the Threat Advisory Group, Google Project Zero, those two organizations definitely worth taking a moment, open a new tab right now. Just type in Google Thread Advisory Group, enter, open a tab, type in Google Project Zero, hit enter, come back to the broadcast. And then afterwards, go check out those two, um, I guess, teams or functions or capabilities, whatever you want to call it. They are doing amazing work. They have wicked smart people working for them. Like Malware Unicorn, I believe, is on that team. Uh, Tavis Ormandy is definitely on Google Project Zero team. Um, There's a couple, there's a couple really great professionals who are just very smart doing really, really wonderful things in there. So definitely uh, worth checking out and keep, get your stuff patched.
1: (laughs) Cybersecurity workforce diversity efforts lag in the C-suite. While the cybersecurity field has attempted to make strides in diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives in recent years, 82% of cybersecurity executives leading the industry today are white men. A recent study of global security executives found that 18% of c level leaders surveyed identified as diverse candidates, which the survey defined as people of color and or women. In the United States, the percentage of diverse executives decreased slightly compared to the global rate, with 14% of U.S. cyber leaders surveyed identifying as women and or people of color. The survey did not report an ...option for other gender minorities, and 3% of the respondents preferred not to respond to the question categorizing their gender. These demographics in the C-suite reflect less gender diversity in high-level cybersecurity leadership roles than in the industry as a whole. According to an ISC Squared workforce study, women make up 24% of the cybersecurity field.
0: All right, so, you know, I guess there's a little bit of... um... A little bit of medicine, a little bit of honey, I guess, or whatever, whatever you want to say. So this is a mixed bag report. It seems that you know they're saying at the highest levels, i.e., I- um, CISO or boards, um, study of senior executives at the C level. Okay, so CISOs roughly eighty-two um, percent are white males. Um, so kind of a lack of diversity at the top of the of the org chart, if you will. Uh, but some good news, you know, I don't know what the trend data would show, but 24% of the current cybersecurity workforce is female. Uh, so there is some being done for uh, cybersecurity diversity. I do want to point out this was Clint Bo Dungeons that he shared on the Threat Gen live stream that we did live from Black Hat. Uh, that that walking around the business hall, there was a lot of diversity both um, in uh, ethnicity, uh, color, gender. Um, you know, age, like all all, all the kind of dimensions, um, not all the dimensions, but several of the dimensions of diversity was being really well represented um, at Black Hat. So that was very cool to see. I want to share personally, I haven't really um, shared this with anyone. I, I told people maybe six months ago, Kimberly, I think I shared it with you. Um, simply cyber, right? So I've done it for almost three years now and I get YouTube demographics of male and female and how accurate that is. I have no idea. Um, but for the longest time, it was like 95% male, 5% female. And I really didn't like that. Honestly, like I I didn't want to make it a big deal that I wanted to increase, um, the, the, the percentage of female audience members, right? So uh, because I, I don't want it to be exclusive for men. I think that our industry, first of all, I think women can do the job just as well as men. And I think that there's an opportunity there to make it more inclusive for other people. And I'm big on inclusion. I'm big on support. So I've been working um, you know, in an effort to to kind of make it more approachable because uh, I, I don't know what the problem is. I didn't know why I had these lopsided uh, things. Am I like not approachable or whatever? So I started like a Pinterest for Simply Cyber, and that really didn't g- gain much traction. I I have female guests as much as I have male guests. Right, Virginia was on last night, and I I just I actually looked at it on Monday just because I was looking at my metrics and stuff, and I'm happy to report that now the percentage is 86% male, 14% female. So. Um, it's not going to be 50, 50, right? Our industry isn't 50, 50. They just said it's 24% female, 76% male, but you know, whatever. I'm just saying it's, it's cool, right? It's cool. Like I'm all about, listen, I don't like your gender really has nothing to do with your ability to execute information security. Can you help me protect my organization? Yes or no? Yes, let's go. Like, I, I really don't, I don't care what you're wearing. I don't care what your gender is i don't care what you look like can you do the job yes or no yes let's go no uh maybe maybe go get some uh work on some skills and and come on back okay all right that's what's up with that
1: crypto.com lays off 260 employees and then quietly lets go of hundreds more the 260 person layoff represents five percent of its workforce and is blamed on the widespread downturn in the crypto market However, sources inside and outside the firm tell The Verge that the company had quietly let go of hundreds more employees since those initial layoffs. These new layoffs have not been publicized and it is difficult to estimate their exact number. Crypto.com has been trying to limit knowledge of the extent of these departures even within the company. All of this suggests that Crypto.com, one of the most visible players in the crypto market, with a Super Bowl ad starring LeBron James and its own named stadium, formerly LA's Staples Center, might be under greater financial stress than is publicly known.
0: Uh, yeah. Okay, so, I, guys, can I just say, like, I get rid of the Charles Finfrock, Uh, I'm a crypto evangelist, I love it, I love it, I love it, to, for the uh krs1 sound of the police sound effect and then law enforcement stops doing all its stuff and crypto starts surging so you know i wish i had the fin frock like i'm a crypto evangelist i love it i love it i love it i'll do a manual one so crypto.com laying off tons of employees guys we are in the crypto winter right now crypto is losing value people are realizing you know the party's over no one wants to clean up um, yeah, it's not completely uh devoid of any value, but a lot of these there's so much scam, there's so many like charlatans out there, people hawking stuff, uh celebrities getting pulled into stuff. Um, and I actually did a little bit of studying on this crypto.com like maybe a month ago. So here's the problem with crypto.com and part of the reason why they're hemorrhaging, and I would suspect, I wouldn't I, I guess let me put this way from a liability perspective. I wouldn't be surprised if this this was not the last time we hear of some negative stuff happening. There we go. Thanks Kimberly. Uh, if we hear some negative stuff from crypto.com, he, like it's it's bananas and it just goes to further show you how how much it's not even a scam, but how how like gross the whole crypto market is. So my facts are probably not 100% accurate, but the gist will be, okay? So here's the deal. Crypto.com raised a bunch of money. They also have their own like coin, like crypto coin or whatever that you can buy into. They raised, let's say $1 billion, right? I think it was closer to like $800, $900 million. They used most of that money, it was supposed to be capital invested by the the, the investors, capital to kind of like, you know, basically do loans. It's like a bank essentially, but they don't call themselves a bank. That way they're not regulated by FDIC or by any of the um, government regulators. Okay. So, but it's just like a bank. You give them money and then your money makes money and then you have more money. Right. That's the deal. Well, crypto.com, they ended up taking all that money and doing stuff like, Getting the naming rights to Staples Center, right? The where the L.A. Lakers play. It's called CryptoCom Stadium or whatever. That was a seven hundred million dollar deal. Seven hundred million dollars for marketing. By the way, they also have LeBron James, Matt Damon, several other. Fortune favors the brave. Yeah, your marketing budget favors the brave, my friend. They are they pissed all their money away, all their investor dollars on marketing right? And now because crypto is crashing, like no one's buying it. And who cares that you got a really fancy astronaut, Matt Damon, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. People don't care. People, I call it the staple center, right? So like, oops, like oof, right? So that's what's going on there. They're hemorrhaging money. All these crypto people are hemorrhaging money. It's not good. It's not good right now if you're in that space, okay?
1: Janet Jackson music video declared a cybersecurity exploit. The music video for Janet Jackson's 1989 pop hit Rhythm Nation has been recognized as an exploit for a cybersecurity vulnerability after Microsoft reported it can crash old laptop computers. That's nasty. Further investigation revealed that multiple manufacturers' machines would crash and that playing the video on one laptop would crash another nearby laptop. Investigation revealed that all the crashing laptops shared the same 5,400 RPM hard disk drive, and the song contained one of the natural resonant frequencies that affected this model. These days, however, very few machines have hard disk drives, let alone drives that rotate at the unfashionably slow speed of 5,400 revolutions per minute. So, Arbitrary Crash, we won't miss you much.
0: All right, wow, see, this is kind of a fun, interesting one. I really would have thought it would have been her sophomore album, Dream Street from 1984, which was, uh, you know, panned across the uh, industry as her worst effort. Although Joe Jackson was managing her at the time and demanded that she put out that crap vanilla music to capitalize on her success from her, um, her, her debut album. But, but that aside, let's talk about Rhythm Nation. What a perfectly insane coincidence that, the song that she played in on her album resonated at a frequency, almost like a physical security attack in a way, um, that conflicted with 5,400 RPM drives. Now, here's another thing that I'm kind of curious about. Like, who the hell is running Windows XP with a drive and throwing Rhythm Nation in? Like, someone who's living in 1989? Like, guys, I like Retro Synthwave. And yeah, I've got a, a couple of, like you know, 80s style things going on with like my wallpaper on my phone and stuff. But I'm not living in a 5,400 RPM hard drive world. What are we doing here? I do think it's interesting that it would crash drives nearby, which is wildly uh, unheard of really. But it makes sense because the the CD is, is resonating out this frequency, which is disrupting the, the, the needle on the platters. So very cool. Um, interesting. I could see... You know, this being in a Mr. Robot episode, although I think Mr. Robot's done, um, you know, you go into like some ICS environment, right, that's running old tech and everything, and uh, (laughs) just kind of blast Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. You could technically, if you got big Sirwin Vega tower speakers, you could stand outside the uh, perimeter and just point them at the uh, facility and. Turn it on and just have a dance party uh all the while denial of service attacking the organization. Um, I do not know if it's um if it if it just crashes it or if it actually causes physical damage because like it is a needle on a platter, right? So it could scratch, you know. I don't know. But denial of service via Janet Jackson, it's a thing. It's a thing. So next time someone calls shenanigans on one of your wild Case studies. Just go ahead and have this one in your back pocket, and um, you know you could be like, Oh, I don't have a Michael Jackson sound, like eh, you know, or whatever. Like you could just do like a Michael, J- and then like moonwalk out of the conference room, you know. I mean? <laughs> I, 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 listen, I know Janet Jackson didn't do the moonwalk, but it, you know the moonwalk's going to resonate with the people in the conference room. Plus, you're going to have like the most BA exit of a <laughs> of a meeting ever. Okay.
1: Remember, we will not be hosting a Super Cyber Friday discussion this week, but never...
0: All right, so that's going to do it for this uh, this week, this day stream. I did toggle off a bunch of things. I'm going to turn on the music right now. So, fe- so feel me, people. One second. Here we go. Here we go. Three... Okay, either I'm going to go underwater or it's going to sound great, okay? Three, two, one. Am I underwater? Could be... Yes, yes, please do. Yep. right so let me know if i'm underwater guys genuinely appreciate it we 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 hit about 160 uh people on youtube this morning uh plus you know obviously the um obviously the, the linkedin and all the other channels uh that we got oh good i guess i figured it out um guys i'm going to be this weekend cleaning up doing my cable management in my office I'm going to be messing around with OBS. We may have a better look and feel. I'm trying to, I'm trying to level up my video production now that, um, you know, my my underlying hardware is better. Uh, I'll be playing World of Haiku. I'm talking to Eric Basu, the CEO of World of Haiku, about getting beta access to the Pro version and doing some stuff with that. Uh, I've got the email coming out on Monday morning. Again, this is beta. So, it, 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 it's going to be a little rough, guys, but you, I think you'll get the point of what I'm trying to accomplish. I'm trying to accomplish... Um, I'm, I'm trying to get this knowledge out here and make it actionable for you in a very quick and consumable fashion. And what I want you to be able to do is Monday... Yes, Monday we're going to do the live stream and it's going to be fun and, and you'll get knowledge about that particular day. But the email is going to be something that you can immediately operationalize. like Literally, if like you're at you know, not a stoplight, but if you take the train in, or you're like waiting, you know, uh, on a subway or an elevator or something like that, you literally can take what I'm saying and craft an email and send it to your end users, right? Or craft, craft a message or put, start working on a slide for the executives. Like I'm I'm just telling you, like in my mind, this thing is going to be very respective of your time and very actionable. And it's going to make you a better, professional in your own capabilities and in the eyes of your peers and your bosses more importantly and then ultimately get the promotion get the pay raise high fives everywhere or get another job uh, because you'll just be uh, delivering so much value it'll be like insane oh yeah if you can Joe Belton thanks for uh, reminding hit the like button we do like 170 people 180 people a day on this channel in the mornings and we average like 50 likes which again I don't really care. I don't do it for the likes, but apparently the algorithm cares about the likes and it will share this with other people, which is ultimately my goal. So that's the deal with that. So if you got any value out of it, take like five seconds, It probably less than five seconds, just to hit the little thumbs up button. I appreciate it and it's good. All right, guys, if you want to do a raid, I'm getting I'm getting this this just in right now. This is coming in over the wire. Yes, yes. Neil Bridges is on cyber insecurity right now. We can go ahead and raid. I will raid over there with you. Meaning, um, uh, BSEC, if you can drop the link again, um, he is on Twitch. Cyber. In fact, let's do it this way. Twitch, cyber insecurity. Let's take a look, guys. okay a lot of traffic at, at any point okay so there is neil he's wearing his haiku sweatshirt or shirt or whatever um let's go ahead and raid i'm gonna end the stream go over there it's twitch cyber insecurity drop a hashtag simply cyber in chat on his channel that's how we raid y'all have a great weekend you did wonderful this week super good times finish strong Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday at 8 a.m. Bye, everybody.